Hello, and welcome into the October 25th edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. Uh, we are broadcasting on yet another Chiefs loss, an embarrassing loss, but I am not embarrassed by my co-host, Christian Ainsworth. Um, Christian, how are you doing? Are you, are you holding up all right? I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's pretty hard. I mean, other than the Chiefs, everything in my life is going really, really well, but these misery Mondays, man, I can't get past them. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you said it best. You got to start uh, finding things to cope with these type of losses like this, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I did not force myself to sit there and just watch every single snap of that game. I kind of take it. I mean, you just got to find something else to make you happy. I was like, well, you know, I'll go play with my son and hang out with them. Or I think we did something nice for dinner last night. It's just brutal to sit there through that. It's, it brings you down. And sometimes like we've talked about before, it's good to just kind of get off Twitter a little bit too. It, yeah. I, I saw you dip for a while on Twitter. I usually, you know, throughout the game, I'll go through on your, on your feed and look at your, some of your tweets. Cause I think you have an at price take harder for everybody who's not following definitely worth a follow. Sometimes I'll go through and see, Oh, what, what does price think about this? Kind of get an idea of what, where your head is before we come in on Monday. And there was a, there was about a five hour dip between, <laughs> between tweets and I could well, not get out of honest, the Twitter sphere. I couldn't. On, yeah. Well, honestly, and I mean, we'll, we'll start right here. Honestly, part of the reason why I kept tweeting, I would have just shut it down for the night is the really, really, and I promise there are some topics that I don't want to keep coming back to, but they keep coming up. Part of why I ended up getting dragged back in is because of this weird thing where somehow the Chiefs losing 27 to three and never being competitive in that game was validation of Nick Bolton for some people. And I really, I, re, I just don't get it. Like, okay, let, let's acknowledge some things. First off, Nick Bolton had a good game. I think he was about probably one of the only two or three players on the entire team who had a good game yesterday. That is a true statement. I think Nick Bolton should be playing the Mike linebacker going forward. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think that it was a wasted draft pick. I don't think it was a bust. I don't think any of those things. But to sit there after the Chiefs just get destroyed offensively in the first half and Ryan Tannehill looks like Aaron Rodgers and to sit there and be like, oh, but man, you know, I was right about Nick Bolton. Remember that time that you said Nick Bolton wasn't that good and that Nick Bolton is a liability in coverage? I mean, look, Nick Bolton had the game, the best game he's had of the year. And that game was set up for Nick Bolton to succeed. Derrick Henry, a bigger back, a team that runs between the tackles, that is a prime Nick Bolton situation. That is what he's best at. Did Nick Bolton look amazing against the run against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? No. Did he look that good against the Browns where they run more outside zone stuff? No. That it, the between the tackles and stuff, that is what Nick Bolton does well. And that's also like the least valuable thing an offense does is run the ball between the tackles. And I mean, I'm Nick Bolton can completely improve in the coverage or hopefully the defensive scheme requires him to not be in coverage as much, but I, I, I just don't get it, man. I don't see how you look at that and all the needs that the chiefs had and look at the Nick Bolton as a whole and say like, boy, that you know that that's the solution to our problems that pick couldn't have been used on, on anything else that could have helped this defense more nick bolton was the way the truth and the light and oddly enough most of those people who are coming at me all have like 
Mizzou made in their bio. So that tells you everything you need to know. Well, and as a Mizzou alumni, I kind of feel like I have to uh, defend my brother here. But, uh, dude, I think he had a really good game. I And I think that if you look at it, I'm not saying that Nick Bolton is the answer to this defense. But when you look at the pick and the situation he was brought into, he was here. He's brought in here to replace Anthony Hitchens. And once we can get his contract off the books, if, if you look at the put, the pick as a value pick for this roster, like if we can replace a guy that's making $14 million a year playing below average at the linebacker position, we can bring in a guy from the second round who costs little to nothing, who's smart enough to run this defense and who can do everything the guy before him can do and a little bit more and has up higher upside. Like Nick Bolton is a complete success. But like you said, he's not, he's not Willie Gay combined with Anthony Hitchens. He's, he's not this super athletic guy who can play downhill against the run, play, out, play against the run outside the tackles, and go back in coverage. He's Rashad Perriman. He, he's a good run defender. He came in, like you said, this is a game built for him. He came in and he did his job. He got four tackles for a loss, which is, I think, more than Anthony Hitchens has had in a season as a chief. So – Start Nick Bolton at linebacker at my yeah, I, I, in there. I, I agree with that, but the I think the difference is is because the praise for Nick Bolton is so high, especially whenever considering a few picks later, the best player on the Chiefs this year is Creed Humphrey. He has played better than any other player on the Chiefs almost the entire year. He has been borderline one of the be- the best center in the NFL. And he was taken a few picks later. And yes, Creed Humphrey gets recognition. But I mean, the fanboys are out when Nick Bolton tackles Derrick Henry for a four-yard loss down 27 to three in the fourth quarter. And I, 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 I just don't get it. I mean, I think, you know, I'm glad that that draft pick is working. It is doing something. It is positive. It's gone better than some of the other second round picks that she's have had, which we'll get to a little bit later. But I mean, I guess if you're just going to be that hyped about Nick Bolton, I want to see the respect for Creed because Creed's had arguably one of the best seasons of any chiefs offensive player. And he doesn't really get that recognition. Now, do I think that Creed Humphrey is the best offensive player on the chiefs? No, obviously that title there's, you know, potentially three hall of famers on the chiefs offense right now, but I mean, he's having a fantastic season and you don't hear about it very much. Yeah. We'll retweet PFF saying that he, you know, gave up zero pressures, but you know, Nick Bolton, is borderline a religion at this point. Oh yeah. Well, there, I think there's this thought about or this, this controversy over how high his upside is. Like there are some people that honestly and truly believe he can come in here and be Devin white or be an, another one of the top linebackers in the league. And that's just not the case, but with how Spags likes to run his defense and the importance of the Mike linebacker in his system, I think that he was a value pick. I think he'll be, Above average, I think he'll do better than Anthony Hitchens. I don't think he'll ever be incredible in coverage or incredible outside the tackles. But if all you're asking for is a guy who can get the guys inside the tackles and play a little, he he can cover a slow tight end every once in a while and call the defense, then I think he's the perfect match. I think he's a perfect pick if that's what you think Nick Bolton is and that's all you're going to ask him to do. But let's not pretend like he's Devin White or Derek Johnson or a line or Ray Lewis coming in playing the Mike linebacker role, like which he's sh- shown flashes, sure, but let's not anoint him the best linebacker in the league yet 
or even the best linebacker in the draft. And that's where I think a lot of people's heads are at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think that's all true. And I think that at least going forward, you know, that you can feel like he can do that position well. So I think that's a good thing. Um, but this game was a lot more than Nick Bolton. Um, I mean, frankly, this game was an, an embarrassment. It never felt close. The reason why it never felt close is because the Titans went down and scored first. The Chiefs more or less had a three and out, punted the ball. The Titans scored again. The Chiefs gave the ball back again. And then the Titans scored and it's 21 nothing barely before the first quarter is over. And the thing that was the most demoralizing about it, going back to the Nick Bolton discussion, is that the Titans didn't even need to run the ball. Did they run the ball in the second half? Yes, because they had a whole half where they were up 27 to nothing, basically. Um, but I mean, Ryan Tannehill just carved up the defense. AJ Brown was the predominant person that was doing it, but they were moving the ball at will. And you saw that it looked like the Chiefs put everything into stopping Derrick Henry, which you kind of can't blame them, but also they cannot be that short-sighted on just one thing. And that that's ultimately what killed them. It's just they they but so hard on the play action. Ryan Tannehill, who is a capable quarterback, just, you know, took advantage of it and abused them. And this goes back to so much of what the discussion has always been is that the chief's margin of error is so little that Patrick Mahomes even referenced this in his postgame presser a little bit. He referenced that, yeah, you know, we saw him go out there and get a touchdown on the first drive. So obviously you want to go out and answer. I mean, the pressing that's happening by the offense and not just Mahomes, but several offensive players is so obvious whenever they see the defense. And it's not just that the defense gave up seven. Because, yeah, even great defenses give up opening drive touchdowns. It's the way that it happens. The chunk plays. The I mean, it just it looked easy. And this isn't any more about injuries or playing the right guys. I mean, the angry mob, we got what we wanted. Chris Jones moved to defensive tackle. Juan Thornhill was playing, played 100% of the snaps. You got Nick Bolton at Mike. Willie Gay was on the field more like the in-house solutions that we asked for they're here and they still were getting destroyed. Well, and it's, it's so hard to come in and, and ask for a guy's job, right? Like I see that all over Twitter Spags has got to go. And I don't know what else he can do at this point. I mean, having Mike Hughes one-on-one with AJ Brown instead of anybody else that we have at CB is obviously a poor decision. And, I, and I'm not saying that he's blameless in this, but it's hard for me to come out and say, hey, Spags, I know you brought us to two Super Bowls and in, in the three years you've been here, and now we're below 500 team. You got to hit the dirt. I mean, you got to hit the road. Like, I think there's an overreaction on that part, but it's also like, what else do we, what else can we do as a defense to become a more cohesive unit and have guys actually try? Like, I'm, I know you probably saw this and I retweeted this a thousand times. Frank Clark cutting it up on the sidelines after the game. Like when, when you're down, when you just got your ass kicked and it, it just, it makes me so angry to watch a player like that. Who's essentially stealing money from the chiefs. And the same goes for Chris Jones. At this point, we moved him back to DT. Let me tell you something. He blew ass in that game. He was awful. Just garbage. I, there were multiple times and, I'm sure everybody who was on Twitter saw this as well. He's literally letting Derrick Henry run by. Same thing with Jaron Reed, letting him run through the hole. 
Why? I don't know. Who knows? And I don't know if it's just an effort thing on this team or mentality wise, but it's hard for me to watch Patrick Mahomes every week, go out there, try to play, get 12 yards or 12 points of play. And the defense just suck ass the whole time. It's just, it's infuriating to watch. And, and I don't know where you fix that. I, I don't know what to do. Do they need to take, you know, they need to go camping. They all need to hang out, take a, take a week. I mean, go home, think about what they're doing. How do you fix this? I am. This comes back to something that we've been saying for weeks. And also I, we're not taking credit for this opinion. There are multiple very intelligent people who have this opinion as well, but the chiefs don't feel like the chiefs no more. And that's, I mean, I've been saying that for weeks, this team might be broken beyond repair. And I don't know what did it, man. I, I really don't, but I don't see how you can watch this team and how it plays and how its body language goes and how the, how they react to things and not think that there are, there's something really going on with the psyche of this team that might just be broken. And I don't know if it was the Super Bowl. I don't know if it was the Britt Reed situation. I don't know if it's that several players are looking for new contracts or maybe they're just not hungry anymore. Maybe they've got a back-to-back Super Bowls. They've got rings. They've got cars. They've got families. And maybe, you know, there's just not enough hungry people in that locker, that locker room anymore. But I mean, there is so many just weird things that are going on. And I would, I heard someone say the other day that, or today that, the Chiefs just aren't a good football team. And I completely push back on that. I don't understand how a team that was majority the same. I mean, this team, I don't know how many actual players they changed out from the 53 from last year, but the majority of this team is back from back-to-back Super Bowls and, you know, destroying the Bills in the AFC Championship. I understand that players age and regress, but it's ridiculous to think that this team regressed this hard from age from one year to the next. There's, there's more here than meets the eye. And, you know, it, it makes me wonder whenever I hear Andy Reid say like, oh, I, I have faith in my locker room and I trust the locker room. I mean, yeah, you trust the locker room, but also like, when is, when are, what is your role in this? Like, how, are you going to go in there and chew their ass or are you just going to like wait for them to do something? And, you know, last week we had the Andy Reid discussion about how Andy Reid has complete total control over this organization. And again, I'm not calling for Andy Reid to be fired, but the Andy Reid way is very hands off and to let players be players. And I'm thinking the players are telling us what they think of this locker room and what they think of this team on the field and off the field. I mean, another thing I said is that Tyron Matthews is a D bag on Twitter. Uh, He was, his cleats were still on and he was tweeting at people and yelling at people on Twitter. I mean, it's just not healthy. It's embarrassing. And, and at, this, at this point, I don't see how you can sit there and say that you want almost any of these players back next year. Well, look, look at the leaders of this team. Patrick Mahomes is playing like hot garbage. I know there are a bunch of people that haven't said that yet. He's playing like shit. Tyreek Hill, how many drop balls turned into interceptions have there, has he had this year? I, I've noted multiple times where he dropped passes just in this past game. So there's, there's two of your leaders. Kelsey is doing playing really, really well. Let's go with the leader of the offensive line, Orlando Brown Jr., playing like garbage. So th- there's your offensive leaders. All of them except for one is playing like bottom tier, outside the top 15 in their position. 
Let's go to the defensive side. Tyron Matthew, he's played pretty well. He's had a few bad games, but I, I won't condemn him as one of the worst parts of the defense. Frank Clark, leader of the defensive line, or one of them. He's what? Cashing checks. He, he made, I think it was $1.2 million for that game. And there are 500 plus players that have more tackles than him this year. Just counting safeties, counting linebackers, counting cornerbacks, 500 players in the league that have more tackles than he does this year. He's being paid $4 million per, per tackle. Okay, so he's cashing a check, cutting it up on the sidelines, playing like shit. Chris Jones, another guy, you, you see him, no, no fight. If, if it's against the run, he doesn't care at all or he plays like he yeah. is. Yeah. And I, another guy, Anthony Hitchens, look at all the leaders of this team. They're all making millions and millions of dollars and they're playing awful. Like, I don't know how you go into this locker room. And one guy I'll point to that I think should get a little bit of the blame for this as well. Eric Bieniemy, who I think it's forgot about a lot. He's supposed to be that guy. He's supposed to be the running back, the, the, the offensive coordinator, I guess, uh, old running back. He veteran running back who got out of the league, but, He's supposed to be in these guys yelling at them every single day. And that's, that's his plan. And I'm tired of the coach speak after every game of, you know what, we're just, Andy Reid comes out in the presser and goes, we're, we're going to get on these guys. Yeah. Well, the leaders, at least on the defense, I won't say on the offense, I think it's more miscommunication and not than lack of effort, I guess, but somebody needs to jump these guys and be like, what are you doing? That nobody gives a shit on the defense as far as the leaders go. Yeah, and I, I, the only player that I'll push back a little bit is Chris Jones has always been that type of player. And I, uh, Tim Grunhardt says this really well. There is no defensive lineman in the league that goes 100% every play. Uh, they are they are fair weather fans in that sense. You know, they, they choose their moments to rush the passer. It's just exhausting chasing and fighting and going every play. But Chris Jones' effort has been demoralizing. I think some of that has been the move to end, and they did move him back inside for majority of this game. I'm not quite ready to sell on Chris Jones, especially because, you know, if you ever consider moving on from Chris Jones, there's not a big cap savings. They basically would save a million dollars in cap space next year and then, you know, also hopefully get a pick back. He is still, I mean, he is still top, three or four at his position at one of the most valuable positions on defense interior pass rush. So I'm going to hold my water there. Um, well, I'll just say one more thing about him before we move on. And I think that's a very tempered take. I think that that's very sensible, but he only plays 60% of the snaps. Like, so, so you're playing, you're in the game for 60% of the defensive snaps and you're taking, well, I don't know, like, we'll say you're picking your spots let's just say you play 75 percent of those snaps what are we down to you're, you're playing basically fit you're you're going hard on basically half of the snaps of the game maybe even a little bit less which i think is i don't think it's asking too much to bump that number up a little bit there there are plenty of players i, I just have a hard time calling chris jones a top three defensive lineman in the, or defensive tackle in the league rather when guys like Aaron Donald are in there every game, they're getting triple team. They're still making plays. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, Aaron, Aaron, Don, Aaron Donald might be the best player in the football league. I mean, that's yeah. just, well, and, and we're getting guys, a little bit, we're getting a little down in the weeds here, but I mean, let me ask you <laughs> this before these, what is this? Seven games. 
would you have said that Chris Jones is a, you know, a top two or three interior lineman in the league? No. And, and okay. I've had conversations, okay. I guess, I, mean, I, I haven't been, I've been pretty cowardly in that take because first of all, if, if you say that one of the best players on your team is actually not that great in any, on any platform or anything, you're going to be attacked by all of your, your fans and or not fans, but all the people that listen to you and, and all the people that are in that community. So I've been kind of quiet with that take, but it is something that I've upheld. I've never called Chris Jones a top five defensive tackle in the league ever. Okay. So who are you taking over him? Are you taking Grady Jarrett over him? What do you mean? Uh, well, Grady Jarrett. Oh, as yeah. a defensive tackle. Yeah. Nate, Fletcher name, Cox. Nate, well, name game. Yeah. Grady Jarrett. Falcons. Okay. You're taking Akeem Hicks. Are you taking, I'm taking Aaron Donald? DeForest Buckner. Yeah, I'll I'll take DeForest Buckner. Um, coming up with a few more names here. What about uh, what's his name in Green Bay? Kenny Clark. I I probably wouldn't take Kenny Clark. So I mean, you've got him basically at five. Yeah, f- five maybe a, a bit outside, but I, I wouldn't call him one of the most elite tackles in the league because I think that you have to do both, like. If you want to be a rotational pass rusher, there are plenty of players that are defensive tackle rotational pass rushers. And when you're consistently in the film will prove this. Chris Jones is not an asset against the run at at almost any time that he's in. Yeah, I I mean, here's the one thing that I think is missing from Chris Jones's game that he's had in the past that's made his value that and it's batted balls and then one to two impact plays in the run. He's never great against the run, but occasionally he just swallows the person up in the backfield because he just abuses the guard. And then he used to be really good for some batted balls, and he's not having that this year. And look, he's just moved back inside. Clearly, his wrist is still hurting them. And this game was over before the you know before the second quarter almost. Oh, part yeah. of that part of that's his fault, just like the rest of the defense. But also, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out on the Chris Jones thing here a little bit. But I mean here's the deal and here's where i am i'm not going to sit here and break down this game a whole lot i'm not even going to sit here and break down you know whether they can beat this team or that team or how the rest of the the league goes or whatever here's here's what sticks out to me about the chiefs and where they are as a team i'm going to read off a series of events that have happened some of these events are mishaps accidents things that weren't intended to happen Some of these are moves that were made. All these were made in the last four years for this Chiefs team. All of these moves are in what I view, and these aren't, this isn't every move or misstep. These are just some of them, the biggest. All this is to say that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are a magical combination. Patrick Mahomes is still an amazing quarterback and probably, you know, top two or three in the league and would probably be the first name out of almost every team's mouth of if they could add one player today, but they are not so amazing that they can overcome this. This is somewhat in chronological order, keeping Bob Sutton a year longer than they should have an all pro safety, having a career ending injury, trading an all pro pro bowl level corner, for pennies on the dollar because you couldn't contain him personality-wise. Cutting one of the best running backs this organization has had in a while because he had domestic violence issues. Hiring a defensive coordinator who is hot and cold, who seems to have down years and up years, and had been out of the league for a year. 
Indeed, and speaks Magnolia. Drafting Breland Speaks and Dorian O'Daniel in the first three round or four rounds of the draft and getting nothing out of them. Trading for and giving Frank Clark massive money. Tyreek Hill's investigation leading to them rushing to draft a player similar to Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, the opposite of what this offense needed at the time. Not getting to trade Chris Jones because there was a global pandemic. I don't think they were ever going to trade Chris Jones, but the Colts traded DeForest Buckner like a week before the world shut down. After that, teams really clamped up on the trade market. There was never a choice for the Chiefs to trade Chris Jones if they wanted to after winning the Super Bowl. Drafting Clyde Edwards-Dallaire in the first round. A career-ending injury to one of the best right tackles in the NFL. A season-ending injury to a franchise left tackle in the AFC Championship. Britt Reed making a tragic decision that put someone's life in great harm and bringing the entire like mantra vibe of this team down. The Orlando Brown Jr. trade and the Joe Tooney deal. Those are, in what I view, all negative impacts, some of them planned, some of them not planned, that have brought the team to where they are today. Obviously, keeping Bob Sutton isn't still hurting this team now, but if the Bob Sutton wasn't the defensive coordinator in 2018 slash 2019, the chiefs could have very well been playing in that super bowl, you know, and yes, trading Marcus Peters still hurts this team. Not having Kareem hunt still hurts this team. Like there's a lot of not having Breland speaks be anything still hurts this team. I am just not going to get up in Patrick Mahomes or Tyree kill or Travis Kelsey about them and their performance, considering they have all this to overcome. Now, do I think that they need to be better on offense? I absolutely do. I think Andy Reid's having a really, really off year and this offense needs a shot in the arm, but that, that is a lot to overcome. And to me, a lot of those things come back to two things. They come back to Brett Veach's drafting and they come back to Andy Reid's loyalty to a fault to people. You know, you talked about firing Steve Spagnuolo. I, I think that like I think Steve Spagnuolo would have to be this bad for another two years before the Chiefs would fire him. They they wait they went almost two years too long with Bob Sutton, and they never even sniffed an AFC Championship. Uh, you know I have zero confidence in them ever making that type of move. Well, and you bring up a really really good point, and I love that take because off the field issues seem to be crippling this team. Whether that's Kareem Hunt leading to us kicking him out, and then us drafting a running back in the first round not even the best running right in the draft. Like, we'll just go with the Jackson Mahomes and whatever his mom's name, Mahomes, is doing off the field, distracting Patrick. Like, throwing water on Ravens fans. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit what they said to you. You're supposed to be better than that. I, I understand you're a younger, you're a younger man. There, there are things that come along with that. You can't do that. Patrick is the star of the family. Same thing with his mom tweeting anti-vax stuff. Well, and going I'll just, off, and then I'll just throw this friend. in there like, real quick. Yeah, yeah. The, after being highly ridiculed about the Sean Taylor thing, like that got picked up by national news companies, well, national sports companies, I should say. Don't think MSNBC was doing a story on it. But what was he there out there doing the next week? The exact same thing. Like nothing yeah. changed, you know, that nothing learned. No, nothing. And then we'll go back even further with the Tyree Kill thing. If he would have kept his shit off the field good 
And I understand you get involved with some crazy women. It's happened to me a time or two in the past. If, if that doesn't happen, Nicole Hardman doesn't get drafted. Maybe it's Terry McLaurin. Maybe it's DK Metcalf. You know, there, there are plenty of other players that, that could have been drafted that I believe were higher on their board. The only reason we drafted him is because we thought Tyreek Hill was going to be out for the whole entire year or most of it. And we had Super Bowl aspirations. Like there, there are so many things, Chris, or not Chris Jones, Frank Clark with an Uzi in his car in this offseason. What are you doing? Why? Why even run the risk? And I understand in a different state, the, the laws are different. Dude, you've got to know better than that. When, when you go into a different state, the first thing, I'm an avid hunter, like going into different states, you learn the laws before you go in. That's the first thing you do. Like th- there's, there's all this off the field shit that's happening. And there's only one way you can deal with it at this point. And that's just, just shut up and play and put out and go into the meetings early. Get your, get your shit together on the field. Because there's one thing that is that f- fans are so, I mean, they're, they're the term fanatical for a reason, right? Like they will turn on you instantly. Look at Frank Clark. He came in, there's blood in the water. Shark, uh, yeah, Clark the shark. That, that whole mantra that he came in with, now everybody hates him, everybody. And, and that's because his off the field stuff bled into his on the field and his production dropped. So if you want to keep your job in this game, and I think that there will be major cuts at some point, either this season or in the off season, there's 11 guys on the defense. It wouldn't surprise me if eight of them are gone. That's- yep. Well, shout out to all the Chiefs fans who like back when uh... – Frank Clark got charged with his gun charges. I said that the Chiefs win the Super Bowl without Frank Clark, who just destroyed my mentions for days and days over it. <laughs> I, I've been waiting for my apology, and they, and they never showed up. But, I mean, man, I, I completely agree. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of distractions on this, and it all kind of comes back to what we said. The Chiefs don't feel like the Chiefs anymore, and they're an extremely emotional team, and they just – I've never seen such a difference between back when they used to get down and how confident they were. And now like you just start to me, Travis Kelsey's the one, like you look at his face and you just see like absolute despair. Like you just see like hopelessness. And it's, it's funny. I see Tony G like in his last three years with the chiefs, but not that that's comparable teams, but like that despair of like, Bro, we're not winning. We're, yeah. we're not. We're not going to win this year, and I don't think we're going to win next year. And it's not my fault. I know it's not my fault, but yeah, I, I think I'm done talking Chiefs Titans here. Yeah, uh, we we could go on forever about some of the things that are going wrong with this team, but ultimately, I think that there's a lot of them that aren't going to change this year. And I'm not necessarily sure how they would change, but let let's talk a little bit bigger picture, real quick. As far as like, you know, let's talk about a pie chart here. If we're putting the blame, let's play the blame game here. If we're putting the blame on where the Chiefs are right now as a team, who gets the biggest piece of that pie? Is it Britt Reed or not Britt Reed? Well, yes, but also is it Andy <laughs> Reed? I, I combined Brett Veach and Andy Reed. No, uh, I got I got uh, Brett Veach, you know, Andy Reed. Is it Steve Spagnolo? Is it the personnel, like where, where, who are you giving the biggest piece of the blame pie to? So I think it's got to be a 50 50 split between Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're the leaders of this team. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, especially with being 
the quarterback and the head coach of a team. We, we can talk about Steve Smagnolo all day. You know who has the final say? Andy Reid does. You know who also doesn't give a shit about defense? Andy Reid. Okay, let's talk about Mahomes. He is not blameless in this. And, and I think we're, we're taking that star power that he has as the savior of Kansas City, which I'm not taking away from him. I'm not taking away that crown from Patrick Mahomes just yet. Coming in and getting us to two Super Bowls is enough for me. He, he will retire in the ring of honor at some point in the near or the far future. But I just think that somebody has got to get in these guys head. And if you're, if you're the main source of the turnovers, which Patrick Mahomes is when you're throwing left-handed passes, when you're throwing, what, what was that in the, I almost said the uh, Washington football team, the other name for that, when you're throwing passes, dropping to the ground, into double coverage or directly to a defensive back. That's on you. When you fumble the ball in the Titans game, that's on you. When you throw two more interceptions in the Titans game, that's on you. Like at some point, somebody has got to take some responsibility for this. And I think that if we're going to blame, we, as much as I'd love to blame the defensive line and Steve Spagnuolo for not putting guys in situations to win, Andy Reid's the guy. Patrick Mahomes is the guy. So what about you? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think, you kind of already know where I'm going with this a little bit just because of some of our previous conversations. But for me, the big, you know, Andy Reid has a much like, you know, the, how corporations get divided up where it's like 51% this person owns at 49% this one. Andy Reid's got 51% of this company of the chiefs. And part of that is his guy won when it came to the GM, Andy Reid absolutely still has personnel decisions, which he should. I mean, he's the coach. You know, that matters. Obviously, most teams don't just draft someone and then say, hey, coach, does this work? Uh, You know, but Andy Reid's got a a majority share, a majority stake in this organization. And, you know, some of the you crawl into bed with Andy, you know, you're getting certain things. Some things are good. Some things aren't, you know, Andy Reid for years elevated Alex Smith's game and offensive scheme. But there are certain things about Andy Reid teams that you just know. Lack of discipline has always been one of them. They have always been a more heavily penalized team. You also know that you're not going to get a defensively dominated minded coach. He tends to let the defense just be the defense. You consistently, Andy Reid has worked with players who are character questions from, you know, back in his days in Philly with T.O. to some of the other players. I mean, if I remember, I think Riley Cooper had some issues as well. And then, you know, I think that some of the part of the reason why John Dorsey isn't the GM anymore is because of all the character flaws that he drafted. Marcus Peters, Kareem Hunt, um, you know, the list goes on and on Tyree kill there, but also some of those players are the foundation of what this team is now. So, I mean, Andy Reid definitely gets the biggest piece of the pie, but part of that is in relation to Brett beach, because I think his guy won and, you know, there's just this, there's just the saying that goes, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Andy Reid strikes me as a guy who likes to be comfortable, who likes to have people who are around him that agree with him and don't push him out of his comfort zone. And with hiring Brett Veach and not hiring someone who had different opinions and looked at things a different way, I think that, that that's one of the things that kind of ultimately brought us to where we are. Um, so for me, it's definitely that. And then we'll start looking at some of the other things like Brett Veach's drafting. And also, I'm going to look at some of the things like 
that have happened. And I know this sounds weird, but like the NFL is not set up for people, for good teams to continue to win. It's becoming increasingly more competitive every year because the NFL has gotten better at bringing quarterbacks into the systems. The AFC is by far the better conference right now. There's four or five really good quarterbacks right now. Mahomes just, uh, I shouldn't say Mahomes, the Chiefs just haven't had some of the luck that some of the last, um, you know, real dynasties have had, like the Patriots. I mean, the, for, for years, the only other quarterback in the AFC was Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning for Tom Brady. Derek Carr is playing excellent. Justin Herbert's great. I mean, you know, they're just, they're kind of getting the bad end of the stick there too. So there's a lot of blame to go around for sure. Oh yeah. And you, you mentioned luck there. I have, I have a hard time calling it luck with, you know, how long it's been happening I, at some point. I mean, we've heard it every single week. You've listened to any other chiefs media. It's the turnovers will stop. Well, you know, that Tyreek Hill will start catching the football. They won't bounce these lucky bounces that are getting, but at some point, you know, it's just got to, I just can't call it luck anymore. It's too frequent. I, I'm waiting for the the ball to turn over as much as everybody else, but I just don't see it. Agreed. Real quick, just a short yes or no. Do you see the Chiefs making the playoffs this year? That's so hard. Yes. I'll say yes. There's a lot yep. of season left. Yep. I'm still I'm still a yes too, but it's it's a wild card for sure. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. The very best. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you give your Mizzou made game ball to Travis Kelsey. Oh, come on. You're not going to give it to Nick Bolton. No, he played really, really well. He's better than Anthony Hitchens. He's not better than Travis Kelsey. So take, take off your black and gold. <laughs> my, my game ball is going to Ian Eagle and Charles Robinson for having to call that absolute stinker of a game after the second quarter. They, uh, they continue to make it interesting. Um, props goes to them for having to sit through that and all the Chiefs fans who had to sit through that. That's a good choice. I mean, <laughs> I, should, I should have taken that. Who else could you give it to? <laughs> all right. It's our last segment. It's actually, you know what? Okay. Well, last thing we're, uh, you know, the, the masses have demanded it to come back. The award-winning segment pick four, take four here is coming back where we give our four takes about four NFL games that are not the Chiefs. Um, I believe I went first last week. So this time it's Christian turn to pick first Christian give us some takes about some NFL games which games do you think have significance so give me one second because I am looking up the schedule right now I had them written down unfortunately that is in the other room so I'm gonna kind of freelance it here I remember what the games were but so first thing I'm gonna go with is the Packers Cardinals that's really gonna pan out what the NFC is going to look like. I mean, those are the top contending teams. Cardinals haven't lost yet. MVP front one runner. Uh, my goodness, I forgot his name. Who's the Kyler quarterback Murray. for the Cardinals? Kyler Murray, yeah. Kyler Murray, yeah. What? Okay. All right. Well, Kyler Murray, MVP front runner, is going up against the Packers, who have an underrated defense. I'm not saying they're top five, but they're certainly not at the bottom half. They're not the Chiefs' defense. So that, that's really going to pan out what the NFC is going to look like later. This will be a good measuring stick for the Cardinals finally facing a – I know they faced hard opponents, but this is really going to be the one that, that kind of sets them apart. The other one I'm going to say is the Titans-Colts game. The Titans have been playing out of their mind. We saw that last week, excuse me, with the uh, Chiefs game. 
The Titans are coming out against the Colts. I think Carson Wentz is doing okay in Indianapolis. And I think that him coming in with that defense, they've got some things going. They're, they're not exactly rolling like I thought they would be at this point in the season, but I think the Titans are really going to calm down. And I think the Titans probably take a loss here, a little bit of an upset. And the Chiefs are still in somewhat of the playoff picture. I'm not going to say that yeah. they'll win the NFC or the AFC, but you hit, you hit two things there that I think are good points. One, the narrative around Carson Wentz has gotten a little out of control. It's just gotten to the point where making fun of Carson Wentz is everyone's favorite pastime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's played pretty well this season. Still makes occasional boneheaded plays, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes says that too. And, you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks that sometimes make boneheaded plays, but he secretly is really doing pretty well. And no, and for some reason, he gets graded on an unfair scale. The Colts, what do they have on offense besides Quentin Nelson and Jonathan Taylor? Fucking, uh, excuse me. Well, it's a podcast. <laughs> they got fucking Paris, Dude, Cam- yeah. Paris Campbell out there acting like, you know, that's something good. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's broken and always has been. Something named Mo Alley Cox. Like, you know, he doesn't have much to work. There's not many weapons there, and he's doing pretty well. Like I, Michael Pittman Jr. is good. I he's mean, okay. Michael Pittman Jr. is <laughs> just a jump ball. Like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, they're all guys that are supposed to be, let's put it this way. All of them would be like the fifth receiver on the Bucks. Okay. So I, there's not a lot there. So I, I agree with that. And also, this is the last time the Colts and Titans play this season. For some reason, the NFL schedule laid out that they've already played each other once. So this is, if the Colts are going to get back in this, this is really their opportunity to get just a game behind. Um, so my two, uh, a sneaky good game here, actually, I think, is going to be Patriots Chargers. Here's why. Bill Belichick dismantled Justin Herbert late last year. I mean, it was like 40 to three and it wasn't even that close. Uh, I think that the Patriots are kind of starting to feel themselves a little bit. They molly the jets. Zach Wilson got hurt. I'm not really reading a whole lot into that, but the Patriots aren't that bad. They also aren't that good, but I think that the pieces are starting to come together. Mac Jones is playing the best of any of the rookie quarterbacks and I could see this game kind of getting mucked up a little bit. The Patriots don't make mistakes. The Chargers do. Chargers are coming off a bye. Looks like, you know, they'll have Keenan Allen's Mike Williams both back nice and healthy. Um, but, you know, the, the Chargers defense has been an absolute sieve against the run. What do the Patriots do well? They run the ball. This could be a big Damian Harris game. I could see we, I think we could see a little bit of an upset here and the Patriots crawl back into it. So I think that could be a good game. The other one that I'm going with, the sneaky good game, is Sunday Night Football. Of course, America's favorite Vikings and the Cowboys. See what I did? A little tongue-in-cheek there. But, uh, you know, Dak Prescott's playing extremely well. The Cowboys coming off a bye. Um, They have a lot of opportunities here. But the Vikings are low-key going to be a playoff team in the NFC. That doesn't necessarily mean they're a good team, but they're going to be a playoff team because there's just no one else in the NFC that's really doing anything. You've got all the division winners, and then the wild cards are probably going to be the Saints, or the, yeah, the Saints, the Vikings, and someone else in there. The, you know, the Seahawks are struggling. Uh, I don't really see a second team come, or a third team coming out of the NFC North. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are struggling in the NFC, so I think this game could have some pretty big NFC implications. And I think that this game's got some real shootout potential, given the two defenses in here and the offensive skill players. So I absolutely love your first game, Pats Chargers. At best case scenario, if we're looking this through the lens of Chiefs fans, which I believe is what we're trying to do here, 
if the Chargers lose, that's best case scenario for the Chiefs. I mean, I know we're talking about them being a uh, like a wild card team and, and they might not make it very far in the playoffs. But if they want a first seed, which I think is possible, I think the Chargers can fall off the end of the season and, and we can run back. That's the best case scenario is that they lose to the Patriots. And Bill Belichick is still one of the best head coaches in the league. Contrary to what you believe or, or what you've been told, the Chargers or the, the Patriots, I'm sorry, still have one of the best defenses in the league without their big star cornerback. Now I can't think of his name either. Dude, what is my deal today? Uh, Steph, are you talking about Stephon Gilmore? Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah, Stephon yeah. Gilmore. Dude, I am. JC Jackson's the guy who plays really well there now. He just kind of moves on to another franchise level corner. Yeah, which is insane. His his ability to draft and get talent on the defensive end is just out of this world. But anyway, and then as far as the Cowboys Vikings game go, I don't know if you know who the quarterback is for the Vikings, but Kirk Cousins, I think he I don't know if he has oh, what's that thing with your eyes where you can't see bright lights. Like I, I think he has some sort of eye degenerative type deal because anytime he plays on a big Sunday night game or Monday night, even Thursday night games, he plays awful. Yeah. So I, that, I don't that, think this is going to be close. That I, is I think, pretty, that's pretty true. Kirk is playing about as good as he's played in any season right now. And here's the thing, just so we're like clear what the Vikings ask of Kirk cousins or what the Browns ask of Baker Mayfield, you know, they ask so little of those players. They ask them to do the things that they do well. And that's it. So pretty much anytime Kirk Cousins throws the ball, it's shocking to the other team because the other, you know, they run the ball so much that, you know, I do think that's true. We could see that, that maybe, you know, Kirk Cousins just shrivels. But I I think the Cowboys defense will cooperate a little bit there too. And yes, I know Trayvon Diggs has a lot of interceptions, but there's more to defense than that. Um, I, I'm not sure. I. The other game I considered was the Buccaneer Saints because the Saints are, you know, probably going to be a playoff team. That defense is still salty. And the Saints completely dismantled the Bucs offense twice last year in the regular season. Obviously not in the playoffs, but that's that. Let's talk about uh, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the New York Giants. Do you have any major takeaways from this game or anything that you think is of great importance for us as Chiefs fans? So this has been the narrative for the past three games, but this is a must win. If they're ever going to get right, this is the week to do it. I, it's it's the same stuff every week, man. I feel like it, we got to win one. Maybe we shouldn't say that this week. This isn't a must-win game. This is just another walk. This don't don't even worry about it. Maybe if we change the tone, that the Chiefs will show up. Yeah, I mean, I I guess like looking at the actual game, Giants defense isn't terrible. The, the like if you could ask me, hey Price, like what is the one thing that you would love to see come in this game? It's not a 41 to nothing walloping by the Chiefs. It's not that. What I would love to see more than anything in this game is the Chiefs make some sort of stride towards figuring out what defenses are doing to them. And yes, I understand that that would probably be a 41-3 thing, but also like it's how they do it. I don't need to see the Chiefs make huge chunk plays. I know that this sounds ridiculous. I just need Patrick Mahomes to play like Alex Smith's stuff. I just need to see the the screen game, the end around, the run game, the creative mid-level zone stuff that they used to do so well come back and to and for Patrick Mahomes to just kind of play within the scheme 
and not try to force stuff and for the Chiefs to really make some progress there because it, it's the same stuff every week and it just seems to be fuddles the Chiefs. And if it, you know, I don't know who's calling the plays right now. We'll assume it's Andy Reid because you can just default to that. But maybe, maybe we'll let Eric be enemy try. I mean, maybe, you know, there needs to be some changes there, but it, it just baffles me that they can't figure this out. And if I, if we could get some progress towards that, that would be really nice. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why just, just looking at it from, from a different perspective here that we, we can't get off the ground. It feels like on offense, we completely abandoned the run game. Like Daryl Williams was running, I think like five yards of carry and we just stopped. We just stopped playing our game. And that's how you get out of those two high safety looks. You got to run the ball. Daryl Williams is not a bad running back. Yeah. The defense forced them to stop running the ball. Yeah. Okay. And if, if we win the coin toss, I don't want to see us defer. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that screwed us this last game. The analytics disagree with that. And also, you know, part of the reason why you felt like the Chiefs had a chance in the second quarter of that game is because they could double up possessions. And that's the most powerful thing in football is getting, you know, two consecutive possessions without the other team getting the ball. So no, I, I, I know that, I, but I just can't if if our defense lets them score, which is going to happen, as, as much as it pains me to say, your MVP pick Daniel Jones is running the offense. That's yeah, I'm I'm coming to collect my debts about Daniel Jones MVP <laughs> after a week of facing this Chiefs defense. I'm gonna look like the smartest guy in the room for sure. When that or this this is gonna be the one team that the te- the Chiefs shut out. <laughs> you're, you're probably you're probably right. I'm, I've got it favorited in my tweets. I'm waiting to retweet it. One like at halftime when Daniel Jones got 350 and two tutties, I'm gonna be like, hey, you heard it here first. I'll make, I'll make sure I retweet that as well. That, that's a tweet that deserves more, uh, more airtime. Absolutely. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening to our podcast as always. Um, as one fan described it, our sorry ass podcast. We appreciate you listening to it. You can follow Christian at C breezy underscore edits. Hell yeah. yeah. You can Hell follow yeah, you me can. at price a Carter, where you can read my terrible tweets that make people so mad. Um, as always, we're brought to you by Arrowhead live. Thanks for listening to not just another sports podcast. See you guys.